0: Um, you got the first interview of Ricky Gerard after his suspension uh, mm-hmm. for the use of PEDs. Um, I I loved what you did on that interview. I got to say, I think, I thought you pushed where you needed to push. I thought you were caring and an understanding where I thought you needed to be. Looking back, do you have any anything that you would change in that interview? Because I know as a podcaster. Mm-hmm. There are several, every, every interview we do, I'm like, shoot, I should have done this
1: there. There wasn't any specific question that was relative to the conversation that I felt like I didn't ask. And there wasn't a area that was again, relevant to Ricky's story that I felt like I didn't press or, or get something out of. So there, there's nothing I really regret or wish I would have done. Um, the one thing I hear about the most is pressing more on his brother testing positive at, uh, sanctionals. <clears throat> I- I'd asked him about it. He kind of dodged it a bit and chalked it up to, he just got, um, he got busted and they don't know how, um, but they didn't like press it beyond that. And so I, I, in my question, I asked it a little bit. I was like, well, if, if he didn't do it, why didn't you fight it? And he's like, because we felt like everybody was just kind of have to get us to begin with. And we just were, he, he was done with it and he just wanted to move on. Um, I didn't press too much of the brother stuff with him because one, it's not some of it that's, it is relevant to Ricky, because obviously if like, if your brother tests positive for the same thing you got, bandwidth from the same supplement company that is a big red flag <clears throat> excuse me and
0: in partnership with the morning chalk up and part of the morning chalk up podcast network this is the Clydesdale fitness and friends my name is Scott Schweitzer I am your host and the Clydesdale my friends are Amy Radowski Charlie Odie and Kat Shear. We are here to bring you the best interviews with the biggest personalities in the fitness world and CrossFit from all over the world. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and write a review. It's such a big help to our podcast. And with that, we're on to this week's episode of the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. RX Mark your jump ropes, the best jump ropes in the business our title sponsor and such great support from them. You can get your RX Smart Jump Ropes by going to rxmarkier.com. At checkout, use Clydesdale 15, all caps, and you can get 15% off your order. Uh, you can buy jump ropes of any color, shape, size, uh, the handles, you can make those, whatever you want. You can get the cable at different weights um, and different lengths depending on your height. So check it out at rxsmartgear.com. Use Clydesdale 15 at checkout and you'll get 15% off your order. That does exclude new additions, new arrivals, and special editions, but check that out. Uh, it's a great deal. In addition to that, they're also supporting our hashtag road to a thousand. If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast, and you have a public profile. Every time we hit the century mark with subscribers, we're giving away a brand new RX Mercury Jump Rope. And Dave Newman, the owner of the company, has promised to throw in a couple extras uh, for that winner. So make sure you go over, subscribe, and uh, you have a public profile and you may be our next winner. Hey, everyone. I got a secret to tell you. There's this really cool company out there called Element26. We have partnered with them um, and they have some of the coolest equipment on the market for us CrossFitters, lifters, um, strongmen. So one of the products they have is thumb tape. It is like the best thumb tape on the market. It is flexible and it moves with you um, and it is very tacky and sticky. So great thumb tape. Another one of the products that I use and I love are their grips. They are chalkless grips. They are rubberized. And I'm a Clydesdale, right? I'm big. This helps me stick to the bar. I don't move. I can hang for a very long time as a big man with these on my hands. Uh, Great for farmer's carries. Um, Even My hands are big enough. I can even use these on a barbell if I want to deadlift. Just saying. No chalk. Super sticky. Got to love them. Uh, Their website is element26.co. That is element26.co. Go check them out. So many cool products. We're going to keep showing you what they have over the next few weeks, but you have got to check this place out because they are constantly innovating um, and see what they have to offer. Um, Little hint, check out the belts. They got a really cool concept with the belts. Um, You know that Velcro that always pops? They have a solution. So go check that out. element26.co. element26.co. So
1: I'm good. good just uh, getting back to the swing of things. I had to leave I I had to leave rogue early. well not early. I've obviously finished my job, but the plan was to stay and just kind of hang out because I'm a little bit of a social butterfly. And uh, my son got sick and so my wife is like and'm I'm, I'm in Dallas'm so I'm, I'm three hours north uh, and I drove so I drove for ease of schedule right and she's like, you got to get home. Now I was like, damn it. <laughs> okay. Wow. Oh, so but no, it's it's all good. It's everything is great. So he's back to normal. He's he's young, he's three and a half. So
0: yeah, mine's yeah. 20. She's she's off on her own
1: now. So oh man, 20. I have so I have a daughter too. She's 19 months or so, but acts like she's 20. I don't oh. know if that's <laughs> man. I'm I'm screwed when she is 20. Yeah. Like I already know we're gonna have some we're gonna have some high school battles for sure.
0: High school was a rough time in our house. (laughs) I would just say that. (laughs) Yeah. College has been a lot better, you know, but she she's a she's a photography major and oh cool. And high school was not her jam. Like that Mm -hmm. just she's creative, she wants to be artistic, and she was the round peg in the square hole. Mm -hmm. whatever probably the other way around Um, but uh and then she got to college and she's made dean's list almost every semester oh wow yeah so that's awesome got
1: into her groove
0: and is doing awesome
1: yeah well that's great hey as long as they find it eventually right yeah that's like my biggest stress because like right now i can control everything right and then once they get independent it's like shoot like there's not much i can do for you other than just like be here for you (laughs) right
0: right right so what for our listeners we are here with chase ingram hey um uh i liked what we were talking about so i'm just going to keep it in there
1: okay okay good
0: and uh what's cool is we're just going to be really laid back and have a conversation you have done so much in this space like my notes are probably for two
1: shows wow i have that much stuff
0: well i was going to do the big pat mcafee (laughs) intro
1: Ooh. Uh, where I
0: went down through your like Wikipedia page. Uh, <laughs> Do I have a stuff. Wikipedia page? I don't
1: even I'm know. I'm not that cool yet. I, I, well, that, that, I was eventually. Think,
0: like, owner of CrossFit Big oh, Team. Oh, yeah. Uh, former SMU <laughs> swim captain, um, five-time regionals athlete, 2010 games competitor, L1 staff member, uh, completed an Ironman, host of Get oh. With The Programming, <laughs> also host of the CrossFit Games podcast. The voice of the CrossFit Games and Captain America.
1: Wow. I tell you what, can you write my bios from now on? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I appreciate that. And thanks for having me. This is super fun. I'm oh, like, yeah. my, my face hurts because I'm smiling so much. That was really cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So you, you have done a lot. Um, and so I want to touch on some of that stuff. And then I want to yeah. kind of talk about some recent events that you've been a part of. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, to kind of like round out the show. But So you have two kids and you have a wife. I do,
1: I do, I do. And uh,
0: how'd you meet your wife?
1: So funny story, it's a long story, so I'll keep it very truncated or else I would take up half your show because (laughs) it's it's kind of one of those serendipitous stories a little bit. And so I walked into a CrossFit gym in 2008 and then by 2009, I tried to get like competitive, as competitive as you could be in 2009, which really meant, Instead of just working out, you just like cared a little bit more. That's, that's really what qualified you as a competitive athlete back then. Um, but I also did a lot of things. I played a lot of recreational sports after college. Um, as you said, I swam in college. But I love sports in general. Like anything that you can put like as a competition, no matter what it is, I'm in. Um, that's why CrossFit it was so cool for me because I liked being fit. But then we we're like, hey, we're going to put a clock to it. I'm like, now we're talking. And our our gym put together a flag football team for just some local Dallas rec league. And we were playing a team that had this really cute blonde girl on it. And i was obviously as a, you know, misogynist <laughs> at the time, I uh, I was like, oh, I don't got to guard her. She's way too hot to be good at sports. <laughs> and I was so wrong. <laughs> she was. So unbelievably fast. In fact, she just like, she took me deep on the first play of the game. And I, that's when I proposed to her the first time and she didn't acknowledge my existence, which made me love her even more. You know, you're like, we always want, we always want what we can't have. And apparently I couldn't have whatever that was for three or four months until, you know, we ran into each other randomly I'm uh, in some bar in Dallas, and she remembered me because I guess I, you know, I made a obviously I made an impression on her, and uh, kind of the rest was history. So that's that's the short, sweet version. But uh, that's how we met. We put playing flag football in a the local Dallas record
0: I smoked on a <laughs> <Google>. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'll never forget that douche that <laughs> <laughs> I just burned deep on. Yeah, just a straight go. So uh, that that was how we met, so, and that's. Uh, one thing we share is we just love sports together and she's not in a CrossFitter. She doesn't do that. So it's a, it's a really cool relationship to have at home because you know, the list that you so graciously put forward for, you know, what I do in CrossFit that pretty much takes up all the CrossFit space in the house. And so it's nice to have someone not in that. So I can at least share things with other than like, like, yes, I know you did that. We, we do this at the same time. And so, I think it's a good yin. We have a good yin. And, oh, is it yin and yang together? There you go. Yeah, yeah we're, we're complete polar opposites unless it comes to sports.
0: So did you always live in Texas or did you move there for college?
1: So I I have lived in Texas. This is my 30-year Texas anniversary. So I don't know what qualifies you as a, as a true Texan. Um, I guess I can't say I'm a native Texan. I was born in Arizona, um, lived there for a few years. My Both my parents went to the University of Arizona. Um, so I was there till I was about five or six. My dad's job took him to California, which they're both from all of our families in California. We were there for a couple of years, but I've been in Texas since I was nine. Um, and I'll be 39 on the eighth of this month, which is exciting because and then in a year I turn 40 and then I think I might step my toes back in the competitive scene one more time just to see if I still got it. In the master's division, not the individual. Right. <laughs> Aging well, up and I'll give it another try.
0: Well, this will release a day
1: before your birthday. So happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Made there it you to go. 39, which is wild hey. to say.
0: <laughs> um, well, that's cool that you're getting back into the space. I want to mm. just briefly indulge myself. I was a college swimmer as well. Hey, so all what right. Did you, what did you swim?
1: I was a hundred and 200 freestyler. So mid distance to the... One of the more painful events, I think, in sports, which is the 200-meter freestyle.
0: Yeah, I was a 200 freestyler in high school. Hey,
1: all right. Um, Look at I us. Went, I went 516.50 in college. Oh, no. No, 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 no. That's way too. Oddly enough, I think training for that, well, one, I think training for that is the worst. Like, distance swimmers just got the short end of a very bad stick. And the sprinters were just like, I hated sprinters, man, yeah. <laughs> show up late, leave early, yeah. barely practice. And they're just like naturally gifted. Um, the mid distance sucked because, you know, it's just it was like a long sprint. But I will say I didn't do the five or the 1600 often. It was more of just like a for fun thing. And I put that in quotes because there's nothing fun about those events. But I love open water distance swimming. Oddly enough, it's actually one of my favorite. Yeah, it's one of my favorites uh, as far as events is yeah, like mile plus make like 5k area. I just I, I really like distance open water for some reason.
0: Yeah, there's nothing better than a thousand repeats in practice.
1: <laughs> I like I would complain at the sprinters, but then I look back at you guys and I was like, I'm just going to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't doing that. <laughs>
0: So was it a, was it a natural evolution to eventually want to do an Ironman?
1: Um, you, I think for swimmers, it's a pretty easy transition to triathlons specifically. I think every swimmer
0: I knew wanted to do a triathlon
1: of some sort at some point. Right. Ironman obviously is not one of those like, yeah, that sounds cool. Like you, that's uh, that, that's, um, I mean, that's no joke. But I remember in high school, and this might have been when I first started swimming, because I I didn't actually start till I was like really start swimming till I was like 15. Okay. So I was like 10 years behind every guy I swam with in college. Um, But I remember watching these Ironman documentaries in high school, and I had just determined, I was like, this is something I would like to accomplish one day in my life. So it was really like a bucket list thing. And so, yes, the natural evolution, because swimming is really the most, the, the hardest part to get good at, because it, it's such a skill-based sport, um, which requires a lot of training and a lot of practice and a lot of technique. Whereas like running, you're like, we always ran as swimmers as part of right. like our dry land exercises, getting on a bike and just getting miles in. Um, but it's also like the shortest part of the triathlon, which I thought was such crap. <laughs> it's like, you're negating the only thing I'm good at. And then I got to sit on this bike for six and a half hours while these other guys that are driving by in 50 to $60,000 fighter jets that are on wheels <laughs> just blowing by me. But no, it was, it was just something I always wanted to do for some reason. Um, I think everybody has one of those like physical tasks or challenges, I mean, not everybody, but That was just one that I had in high school that carried through swimming. And then once it was over, I was like, okay, I'm not going to be in any better shape to try something like this eventually. And oddly enough, I didn't do an Ironman until I was almost a year into CrossFit. Hmm. And I had worked up, there's so many different distances, you know, the sprint, um, mid distance Olympic, uh, half Ironman. And I'd done a half. And then a year later, about this time, actually, it was the Ironman. Arizona is in November. And oh, what is this? Is it 2021? Man, this is 12 years ago. Um, I was, I was like five days a week CrossFit and I maybe ran and biked once a week. All my, all my triathlon friends. Cause I had like, tri, I had swimmer friends and then I had triathlon friends. And once I started getting into CrossFit, I started getting CrossFit friends and then less of the, <laughs> of the other ones. And they all thought I was crazy. I was like, I want to do this. But I was, I was like five days a week, CrossFit one run, one bike. I had been training tries for about two years, but nothing like for an Ironman, like Ironman, if you legitimately want to do that without hurting yourself, like that has to be almost a full-time job um, for training, but I decided to just wing it. Um, and so how I don't, did that go? I don't recommend that I finished. I finished. Um, I think so for marathons, very novice, the, the first, I think milestone is like a four hour marathon. Um, I guess for an uh, Ironman it's somewhere about 12 hours is what people put it at. So I was like 11, hours and 29 minutes, I think off the top of my head. So it, it was really rough, like very rough. Like the furthest I've ever gone is half. I never trained anything more than that. And I did a, I did a half in October and that was in Austin uh, just to see what it, it, a, an easy pace would be. So like, okay, if I can keep this really relaxed, maybe I can double this. And it was six weeks later where I did the, the full. And so there was not a lot of lead time. And that was in November of 09. And then come 2010, January, or I can't remember. That's when like sectionals came up, right? They had sectionals in 2010 to get you into regionals to in the regionals to get you into the games. And like that was my timeline. It was like half Ironman in October, full Ironman in November, sectionals, regionals, cross the Games. So by the time the games is over, I was I was physically done like I, I had i had pretty much tapped you
0: had done so much in that one year that you couldn't qualify for the games
1: again pretty much yeah that's what <laughs> that's what it, it was that in a deadlift box jump workout twice that kept me out of the crossfit games <laughs> two more times
0: well that's awesome so so how did you find crossfit I know you you said you stepped into mm. a gym in 2008 yeah what brought you there
1: So I had, I was saying that I had my swimmer friend friends and my triathlon friends, and I was walking onto the pool deck of like our college pool had an outdoor pool. I coached some swimming after school. I was an engineer. Like I was a mechanical engineer when I graduated college and I did some like part-time coaching for like my coach's kids swim team. Um, And I was walking on the pool deck and randomly I saw one of my old teammates from college. I say old, it's probably two years removed, but you know, when you're 26, two years is a long time. Um, And he was always a fantastic swimmer, but he had a very like, you know, the soft swimmer body Mm -hmm. where there's like, you know, you just had a belly and small arms and big quads, but like, and then I saw him and he looked unbelievable. Like really. And at the time, and this is why it was all kind of serendipitous is like at the time I I was kind of tired of looking like a swimmer. I was super, super skinny and lean, but my dad was a football player. And so I wanted to look like my dad. Like I was like, am am I, am I your son? Like, (laughs) am I capable of putting on muscle? So I was looking for things like personal trainers, um, sports specific, you know, professional gyms like Michael Johnson Performance Center. And I think at the time, um, there was a place called like Velocity Sports, which is a small franchise here in Dallas. And he looked awesome, ripped, lean, like he never looked like before. So I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm doing CrossFit. Never heard of it. He's like, well, we we got class on Monday, six o'clock. I was like, I'll be there. And so I saw him. So I got inspired by a friend who had known about this. I'd never heard about it. And we walk in Monday and it's freaking Fran. But, uh, and as every athlete who's never done cross it and maybe has an athletic background, he posted the workout and obviously everyone else in the class is nervous. And I was like, I'm doing 90 reps total of pull-ups and this like squat press thing. And he's like, yeah, he's like do it as fast as you can. I'm like, Pfft. I'll show you guys who, who just walked into your gym and I was so wrong. <laughs> I was so wrong. So, uh, my buddy's name is Justin Smith. And so, Justin Smith is the catalyst to my CrossFit career. So, I always, we always, we still talk here and there. And he's like, never forget who got you into CrossFit. I was like, I will not. And every opportunity I have to talk about you and thank you for what you did for me, I will. So, thank you, Justin Smith.
0: Yeah, I had the opposite first workout. I had Murph. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Coming up on my 10 year anniversary. Hey, all right. Congratulations. Yeah. I, uh, I walked into a gym at 500 pounds and did wow. a scaled version of Murph as my first workout.
1: You walked in at 500 pounds and did a scaled version of Murph. Yeah. So you had a 300 pound weight vest on basically.
0: Essentially. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh man. Well, good for you though. That's awesome. Yeah, and then
0: I think it was 18 months later. I did it without a vest but yeah. everything else RX uh and finished and balled in the parking lot like Man. like I was a little baby.
1: That's awesome. How much weight have you lost?
0: So um it I got down to 260. Wow. Um, and then I hurt my back. Now I'm up a little bit, now I'm on my way back down.
1: All right. Uh, and that's so, that's the journey. It's a roller coaster. Yeah. It still is for everybody.
0: Yeah. My back, my back went out from being 500 pounds for all those years Oh,
1: okay. um,
0: and all the damage that did. So now I'm trying to get it fixed and back at it.
1: All right. That's awesome.
0: That's and way just to be clear. It was not a CrossFit injury.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah. Was, it was me
0: being bad to myself for years.
1: Yeah. The worst injury I ever had was from a basketball game, not CrossFit. CrossFit right. found my injury because, you know, we use functional movements and we don't miss and we don't dodge things. And that was how I found my injury. But Man, good for you. That's awesome. That's really cool to hear. Yeah.
0: yeah so um, level one,
1: you yes. were a level
0: one staff member. Uh, how long yes. did you do that?
1: Uh, I did it for seven years. I retired. I think I can say I retired. I did it for seven years. And then I retired around, this is before my daughter was born. So my daughter was born February of 2020. So I think around 2019 is when I officially retired because my my wife is a full-time attorney. Oh. And the way her practice works is that she's basically on call. It's not like a nine to five and it's not litigation. So it's, it's whenever the client needs something, you're at their beck and call. And so that's kind of how I, I, I label her as like an on-call full-time attorney. So having one kid at home, me leaving for a seminar was I left on a Friday and I typically came back on a Monday. And the hard part for her is that she's working full time. And if it's a hard time, she'll be working till one or two in the morning and on the weekends. And that's a lot to put on her for me leaving for three or four days. And then with a second kid coming, we, we sat down and had the conversation of, you know, for me, seminar staff was, I only did that because it was a very fulfilling position to be in um i'd always want to be a red shirt ever since my level one Um, i thought it was a great way to have a massive impact on the community from like the from the get-go right because some people they've been in it for a while like you can only influence them so much or teach them so much or, or they're willing to listen so much but you get a level one group of 60 participants with five of your best friends it's it's a very rewarding experience um and for me, it was very self fulfilling because I got into CrossFit because I love to serve. Um, I have a very servant mentality, a very servant spirit, and I also have to remember that part of that service also really does need to be prioritized through my family. And so we, you know, we had to make the decision as you know, being gone three or four days every maybe twice a month isn't as helpful to my family as it is me being home. Because those weekends wasn't a paycheck that's really going to make a massive impact on my family. Also because of what my wife does, and I own a gym, and there's a lot of other avenues there. Me being home and present with my son, with my wife, with my soon-to-be newborn daughter was the priority. So it was a very, very, it was one of the hardest things I ever had to do because holding on to that was really selfish isn't the right word, but it was really important to me personally. And so it was a really tough pill to swallow of, yeah, I'm going to have to let that go, even though I love this so much. Because I mean, I, I just, I really, really knew the value and the importance of the position that was and to step back and 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 be home more and so that's that's the uh small sacrifice i made for the family was uh that's why i stepped away i'd still do it if i could but uh spending more time with my kids and more time with my wife and you know digging deep roots is uh you can't put a price on that so i'm happy
0: as we found out in your intro, you, you have like 700 jobs. So, um, (laughs) so one of those is affiliate owner, which I'm sure takes up a lot of your time as well. Yes. Um, And I think I heard you say you, you program 12 weeks ahead for your, for your gym. Um, So big D CrossFit or CrossFit big D uh, what, what was a precipitous to get you into affiliate ownership?
1: I, right when i started coaching honestly so as i said before as i was a mechanical engineer for almost 3 years and during that time it was between 2006 and 2009 and if anybody remembers the economy then that was one of the worst that we've ever been in and it was really bad for i would say specialty careers like engineering because you know that's a very niche um career to be in. And I ended up having five different jobs along those lines. And it was really tough because I was, you know, I always looked up to my dad as, okay, go to school, get a job, keep that job forever. And then just work your way up the ladder. And the first time I I got a job, I think I had it for about six months and then the company got bought and then they got rid of all the new hires and brought in their old, well, not old, but like more seasoned employees. And I was like, I got fired from my first or laid off, I guess. Same thing. I'm, I did nothing wrong. Right. It right. <laughs> was just, I was just new. And that devastated me because I, I wasn't prepared for that. Because it's like, I'm, I, you know, I worked as hard as I could. I did everything I was supposed to do. I tried to do more than what I was capable of, you know, just always. And it didn't matter. Like, it's just, yep, we got bought and then you're gone because they need to make room for their other, I was like, okay, that, and that crushed me. Uh, so then I got another job and I was there for four or five months and then the, the economy crashed and then they let go of all the new employees. And I was always the new hire that when the companies, and they were really small ones, got slow, they just kind of cut costs. And then what I started to figure out was all these companies were hiring quick to get out old work to make money and then cut the new. And so I got very jaded with that. And I was upset because my whole life was, you know, school, the harder you work, the more to study, the better your grades will get sports, the harder you work, the more you train, the better you're going to get. Like there was always like an input output return for me. And then when I get into the real world, that didn't happen. It didn't matter how hard I worked or, or how smart I was or how dedicated I was to the company. There was just somebody who didn't know me and just looked at numbers on a sheet and was like, we don't need that. And that really sucked. <laughs> so um, so then I met a buddy of mine. His name is Chris. And this is when I first started at the gym. He was in FBI agent and I was like that sounds like the coolest job ever because there there was like I said servant mentality or servant spirit I was like you know I was at that time I had all these things going on I was like okay maybe I'll just go military and serve there or or police or fire and then he's like I do FBI and I'm actually on this like tactical SWAT team I was like this is everything okay we're gonna do this and so they needed three Full years of work as long as you had a degree in one of five things and engineering was one of them so i was in and so i had like four months left of work to to quantify so i started coaching at the gym i was working out at and was there training getting ready for the pft test and they had a written test that was coming up meet my wife well i didn't meet my wife met this girl right we started dating and it was the day before I was supposed to go in and take the test for the FBI. And I was like, Hey, um, this is kind of my, my plan. And we've been dating for maybe two weeks. Now, keep in mind, I've been pursuing her for four months. And I was like, cause if you do that, they, I think Guantanamo is, is the offsite kind of training site for a lot of these places. I was like, I gotta be there for eight months. And then I had to live in Chicago for two months because that's kind of their main hub. And then after that, they kind of send me wherever. And she was like one semester into law school. And she goes, Oh, I'm not sticking around for that. I was like, Oh, all right. Well, then I'm just gonna keep coaching. And I I blew off the, I blew off everything for this girl that I've known for two weeks, but I, I was in love. I knew I loved her and I wanted to, so I was like, okay, so I put that off. And so I stayed at the gym. With the intent of, I'm going to own my own affiliate one day. So I will come and coach, learn the ropes, and then one day I will leave. And so the, my wife basically shutting all my dreams down. was, uh, it, it spawned a new one, and that was affiliate ownership.
0: So you guys started in 2012?
1: 2000. The, I started Big D in 2013. So 13, August of okay. 2013. Yeah. But I started coaching in 2009 is when I first got into coaching CrossFit.
0: And so at what point do you become an announcer? Ah, like, cause that doesn't go with mechanical engineering. No,
1: no, (laughs) Uh, I have have no background. No, No. zero. Uh, you know, it's funny Is a lot of these stories now that I say them out loud are all due to weird circumstances. And then like a pivot, Right. And so I made the games in 2010, just barely missed him in 2011 because I wasn't strong enough. So my whole goal is like, I'm going to get strong and I'm going to go back to the cross of games in 2012. And in the process of kind of like you discovering your back injury, my shoulders, well, my right shoulder was really just like starting to hurt. And my shoulders have always bothered me. I mean, swimmers, yeah. Yeah. our shoulders hurt all the time that's not alarming that's nothing new in fact in the pool like back in my day in your days like you did not get out of the pool like if, if you got out of the pool then you better be injured like we better not see you back in this pool for six weeks because you're actually hurt not because you're sore or your shoulders are bothering you like there was a lot of that you probably can't do that anymore with your friends because you know it is what it is with how things are these days but you just didn't get out of the pool. You just trained through it. And so I had the same mentality when I started CrossFit. And as I got stronger, I realized there wasn't, there was something not right with my right shoulder. So long story short, come to find out I have a fully torn rotator cuff and I've always had it. And my biceps tendon, what had, there's 5% left. And the doctor is like, when did you separate your shoulder? I was like, separate my shoulder. It's like, I've never, I've never gotten hurt. I've never like missed a snatch and like, oh my God, something bad has happened. Like that's never happened. But I remembered in high school, I was playing a basketball game and swimmers are very poor land athletes, like extremely poor land athletes. And so of course, (laughs) I mean, it's. It's not the prettiest thing in the world, at least when I was growing up, which is great because then we'd play like basketball and I felt like Michael Jordan because I, you know, I I was a late swimmer. Um, I had, you know, fast break, totally fell and tripped over my own feet at like max speed and like reached out with my arm straight out. And I've never hurt my shoulder that bad in my life. Like it was weeks before I could really move it around again. Come to find out I separated my shoulder when I did that in high school swam on it five years of college. I had, I had a, um, I'm had a victory lap in college because of a a medical issue I had and, you know, two years of Ironman training and two more years of CrossFit come to find out my shoulder has been like hanging by a thread. (laughs) So I had to have shoulder, uh, I had to have it like reconstructed, like my whole rotator cuff put back together. Um, They cut the bicep tendon, they re-anchored it. They, you know, put my shoulder back in place and I didn't know what to do. My identity was purely in CrossFit and competing. And so another buddy of mine, his name's Richard Drew, we, were ha- we had to have like coffee and, I, and I, was, I was struggling. I was like having a really hard time dealing with not being really who I identified myself as at the time. And I coached, see, 10, 11, 10, 11. So two years, I uh, coached and selected two teams from our affiliate to the CrossFit Games. And at the time there's an update show like Roy McKernan and Sean Woodland and Pat Sherwood. And he's like, you know, what you should do is pitch a segment idea of how to select teams for regionals and the CrossFit game Games at, because at the time there was really, there was like a formula because they, they, they would use like two pairs and four events and then everybody and then another other two. And like you had to, and so like they, there was a little bit of a formula there and I, I feel like I had cracked it. Because the teams we sent in the games, like they weren't the best athletes, but they were the best team and best teammates in the format that I put them in. And so I pitched that idea to a cameraman uh, or a photographer. Do you know Dave Ray? I do. Yeah. So all these little things, right? So I had this coffee with him. I was like, that's a great idea. So I, I emailed Dave Ray. I was like, here's an idea. I don't know who to send this to. And he goes, I'll forward it to you. Three days later, I get a call from Roy McKernan. He's like, hey, are you interested in doing maybe some media for CrossFit? I was like, absolutely. He's like, have you ever broadcasted before? I was like, absolutely not. (laughs) He's like, well, we're going to the Central East in May. I think it was May. And we're going to try out a bunch of um, basically applicants for uh, broadcasting and we show and it's in it was in ohio and there was like 14 of us and how i emailed someone at the perfect time was uh that's how i got like my first foot in the door for broadcasting and i guess since then i haven't totally screwed it up cuz you know 10 years later i'm i'm still doing it but that's that's how i got in i honestly just a buddy of mine came up with an idea Dave Ray did me a solid. And so now there, there's two things I do now. I'm never afraid to ask for anything as long as I'm willing to work my ass off for it. Right. Uh, and if, it, if the answer is no, then I'm, I'm nowhere different than where I was other than maybe like a little sting to the ego or the answer is yes. And I'm like, now I'm giving myself an opportunity. And the other is I will always forward something for somebody. You know, that's my way of paying it forward. So the Justin Smiths and the Richard Drews and the Dave Rays all did one little thing for me that massively changed the course of my life that I, I try to convey to them every time I see him. Every time I say see Dave, I'm like, I thank him for what he did. I've been doing it for 10 years and I'll do it for the rest of my life because those little things that may have seemed like nothing, like you just hit the arrow button and then typed in the email address and just sent it off. Completely changed the course of my life, and so I'm uh, forever thankful for that.
0: That's so cool. After we get off the air, off to tell you how I hurt my shoulder because you'll laugh. Being okay, <laughs> um, but yeah, I uh, I actually worked with Dave all
1: weekend at at Rogue. Um, oh, that's right. You were up. Uh, we we were uh, we were up in the press box, I guess they could yeah. call it together. So I was I was
0: a production assistant for the cameramen um, and stuff down on the field. Just backpacks full of water, battery packs, memory cards.
1: You
0: know, yeah, uh, great, but group. yeah, awesome, great group, so much fun. So, I actually the first time I saw you in person was actually at the 2016 regionals in Columbus. Oh, um, I was working security right in front of. Uh, you were with Sheree um, Sheree Chan, yeah. and uh, we were right in front of you, opening the gate for the road crew. Yes, um, so that's where I first saw you in person, um, and you. You have come so far from that point, right? Yes. Um, Because now you're doing the games. You are the Mm -hmm. voice of the CrossFit Games with Sean Woodland. You did Rogue with him this weekend. Do you have to pinch yourself sometimes at how this has developed over the years?
1: Every time. Every single time. Uh, We'll even be, and, and Sean's the same way, we'll be in the booth before the weekend starts and you, have you seen that clip with like Paul Rudd in an interview? And he's he's like, look at us, huh? Who would have yeah. thought? Not me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there, there could be no perfect little like GIF or meme video than that. Because that's exactly how I feel. Because I know there's hundreds of other people that are went to school for this, or this is like their dream job or, or smarter than me. Or, you know, it's like, and I know I got the opportunity and I know how I got it and how fleeting it can be, especially after say what happened in 2018. Right. Right. Um, that now is, it's so precious to me. I, I, I relish the opportunities that I get. I'm thankful for every second I have to be there let alone on a microphone, let alone now doing the CrossFit gains with Sean. Like that, what you know, I I had to come up the ranks a, a long way for a long time. I mean, it took 10 years to get to where I am now. So I am extremely thankful. I will never be jaded in any position. And like once Rogue's done, I'm I'm working to earn the next opportunity. I'm not expecting it. I don't think I deserve it. Like it is, okay, I worked for this. I did my job. I tried to do the best thing I could. So hopefully I set myself up for another opportunity to maybe get another one. And, and that yeah, that's really how I feel about it.
0: Uh, funny story about Sean. I actually lived in Tallahassee in the late 1900s. <laughs> the uh, late 1900s. <laughs> yeah. And he was a local sports guy. Oh, 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 yeah,
1: in a Florida. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's kind of where he got started, right? Yeah. So I actually watched him on TV as a no way in the late 1900s.
1: How does um, hair look? Because he had uh, it then. Yeah, right? he did have
0: hair back then. In <laughs> fact, it, it, he looked so familiar when I met him in the CrossFit world. I had mm. to like double take because he had hair back. Yeah. When I first saw him, but yeah.
1: But you know that voice, like no one else has sean's voice and like right. i like sean is the voice of the CrossFit games i might be like the like the sidekick voice of the cross games like sean is man that that guy is he has a gift i'll say he that does.
0: yeah so i want to get into some of the some other things you have going on right now you start get with the programming with bill yes um how did that come about because bill's been around you and bill kind of did that road show with the regionals. yeah for, yeah um, how did you get into the Get With the Programming podcast?
1: So me and Bill got connected, obviously, in broadcasting for the CrossFit side. But like, we our our relationship and our broadcasting relationship really grew on the off season stuff. Like, you know, we did the first really off season broadcasted things, like Granite Games, Wadapalooza, Dubai. Like that was that. Those were things that he gave me opportunities for. And Bill was a lot more like. You know, I just hung on to Bill's coattails as as hard as I could. (laughs) And um, but, you know, between our first broadcasting gig ever, we just we have just a natural, seamless connection. He's my, you know, one of my best friends like and during quarantine. That really forced a lot of people to to grow um, or to pivot. And, you know, everybody had their quarantine thing. Mine was baking, which was terrible because I, I put on a lot of weight <laughs> during quarantine. And I always wanted to do a podcast for years. And I love and I obsessed and I am obsessed with programming. Um, it's just that is one of my favorite things of CrossFit. Other, than, It might be my favorite thing to do. Um, it's not like the most important thing. Obviously, it's the coaching and the community side and, and that building process. But programming, as far as like love to do, I love programming, and I always wanted to do a show about it because there was, I mean, there's news shows and there's you know talking fitness that Tommy and Sean came out. So when they they started that, I'm like, man, I really just need to stop, stop stopping myself because I was like, like anybody. Like, no, I don't want to do that. Nobody's going to listen. It's Like, who cares? Like, you're not doing it for people to listen to. You're doing it because you love to talk about it. Right. And so during quarantine, I was like, fine, I'm going to do this. Cause what else do I have to do? The gym's closed. <laughs> I got to do something. So I hit up bill and I hit up bill. Cause I wanted to be a guest on my first show. And our first show ever was analyzing the age group online qualifier, which just happened really right as quarantine was just shutting the world down. And I was like, you're perfect because we, we, we work seamlessly together. Um, We always have a great time. Like we never don't have a good time. It's, it's so much fun broadcasting with Bill. And we wanted to also create our own content if we couldn't a, like get jobs or gigs or, or talk CrossFit like we'd love to, so why don't we just do it on a podcast? Because we would be doing it anyways. Great. And after the first show, I was like, "Why well, don't want to do this by myself. So on the next show, I think I surprised him while we are podcasting. I was like, hey, do you want to do this with me? <laughs> like, do you want to be my, my permanent co-host? And that's really how it started. That was, it was our quarantine thing. And it, uh, it's, it's been super fun. On. We've had Oh, him yeah, on, yeah. And
0: he told the story from his perspective. I was a guest on the first two shows and then I just never left.
1: Yeah. 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 You just kind of what it, there's like a movie or something about that. Um, but yeah, it was um, it was a c- clear and easy decision to make. And I couldn't be more thankful to have Bill as a part of that with me. Uh, we have so much fun together. It's just another opportunity that if we can't do broadcast things together, we can still do podcast things together. And, you know, we still have the off- off-season things that we, we work with, and it's been really great. It's been um, way cooler than I ever thought it would be. Um, I'm still floored that people, like, follow it and listen to it. Um, and all those years where I told myself that it was a dumb idea, was the only dumb thing I did was not start. And that's another piece of advice I give to people. It's like, listen, just like, if you want to do this, just do it. Like, stop. The only person stopping you is yourself for, for most things. And it has to do with fear of failure, which is real for everyone. And uh, yeah, that's my only regrets. I didn't start sooner.
0: Yeah. I tell everybody just get an episode in because you're going to change 15 yeah. times in the first 20 episodes. <laughs> yeah, So just put one out so that you know where to start from.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um Don't paralysis by analysis is not the way to start
1: this. It's so real though. It's so real. And you go listen to like our first episodes. I'm like, damn, we have gotten way better.
0: (laughs) I I actually removed our first episode. No way. It's not out there anymore. (laughs) Yeah. We call it the lost episode.
1: Should turn that into an NFT.
0: Yeah. Um, So then you get asked to co-host to host
1: the yes. CrossFit Games
0: podcast. Yes.
1: Yes. You
0: and Bill are not shy about being critical mm-hmm. of programming at any event because uh, yes. you you analyze them all CrossFit yes. or Sanctional or Semifinal, whatever.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You are not shy about being critical. And then you get asked to host the Games podcast. Yes. The first four episodes with Dave
1: on programming. Of the Karasi games.
0: Correct. So <laughs> yeah. how, I, I know you, the question I'm trying to ask is, how did that feel? Were you nervous about that? Did you think that he would be defensive about what you said? And how did you handle
1: that? My The only way I can think that that became an opportunity is that they just don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> 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 um. I, I, it was always in the back of my head because number one, I don't like to criticize anything CrossFit does because I love it. And I always want it to be better than what it is. And that doesn't mean it's not good, but it's like, what's good now is not good tomorrow. We got it. We got to step it up tomorrow. Even if it's just like a micro to step, it's like, we can't, we can never stand still. And that's my, that's my thought process about anything and my approach to anything that we do. And on the Get With The Programming podcast is like, yeah, we're very honest with our opinion, right? I feel like we have a very educated opinion, and, um, but sometimes we do criticize what other events do. And we have criticized um, a lot of events that Crossa did in the last year, especially like quarterfinals. But we never do it from a place of like complaining. I was going to use a different word, but <clears throat> we never just complain to complain, which I feel like a lot of people do is they just complain because they have nothing better to do, but we always back it up with a alternative solution. Hey. Hey. This wasn't a good idea, or this didn't pan out probably like we designed it to, or this was maybe borderline dangerous to do. Here's another option. And the options we try to give them are not, like, it's really easy to just be like, you should have done this, right? It's like, let me just make up anything else. Like, that's that's easy, and I think that's a cop-out. And a lot of what we try to do with, if we didn't agree with something, we would try to give an alternative a solution that still fit within the confines of what they were working with. So for example, the GHD workout and quarterfinals, which I was very displeased with, and I was very at, like, vocal about it. And the biggest one was, you know, it was too much volume for the general populace that qualified for that they had no business doing that much and then the the masters who was even more so have no business doing that much and the only solution was these movements it was like ghc sit-ups rope climbs and pistols are fantastic the combination of all those three was beautiful the interference of all that was it was it was wonderful it just didn't need to be that much volume and so we give a solution or if it's a dumbbell workout and a row and a jump rope, we don't go, well, that workout was dumb. You should have done this one with a barbell and a med ball. Like that's a cop-out because you're just, it's really easy to just make up something else. Like, no, we'll keep the row or the dumbbell and the, in the jump rope, but change it in this kind of way. And now it fits more of what that is. And so though I am critical, it's constructive. And my hopes that, you know, if they do listen to it, which they probably have, it, word gets through oh, I'm sure. someone is listening to and at least relaying the information so so no one is unaware of what we say We'll say so, that so
0: I want to bring up one specific comment um, last chance qualifier yes deadlift workout I think your terms were parlor trick
1: yes party trick party trick party trick party yes trick. party trick the deadlift party trick yes yes. Do you want me to expand on that or the fact that the fact that I said that?
0: Well, the other piece of the last chance qualifier was that it's like Indiana Jones. Ooh. If you know that he he doesn't even need to be a part of the story at the end of the movie, the the Nazis are still going to (laughs) open. Right. You know, and they're going to die from the spirit and all that stuff. And so the same outcome is going to happen, whether he's there or not. The
1: Ark of the Covenant.
0: Right, and so you you talked about how the last event of the last chance qualifier was really the only event that mattered.
1: Yeah, and it really kind of turned out that way, pretty close. Yeah, and, and... I actually go I go to Christy
0: O'Connell's gym.
1: So oh, you do? Okay, I
0: got to I got to watch that kind of firsthand. Yeah, and she okay, she so. was terrible the first day, and still
1: right, right. And then she like won the last two events to, yeah. to qualify out of the last chance qualifier then crushed at the CrossFit Games. Yeah, so deadlift party trick. The reason why I didn't like that in the place that it was is because it was only a six event qualifier or it might've been less. Four. Was it just, it was four? Oh, even more so, right? So you got you had four events to qualify some for the CrossFit Games and 25% of it was a single modality movement. Take deadlift out of it, right? Single modality, anything. 25% of a a skill and a very one side of the spectrum skill. So maybe it was a one rep max. It could have been an easily a 5K row. Or it could have been an easily as like max unbroken set of bar muscle-ups. Or make it even more niche and strict handstand push-ups. If they did any of the other two, the row of the handstand push-ups, the world would have lost their mind. How can you possibly judge these athletes on something so singular? I was like, well, you're doing that with a a max lift. And now you're doing it with a deadlift, which I think is a very, this is not a blanket statement because obviously there's exceptions to every rule, but like a deadlift is, is, is a party trick. Like there's people who are great deadlifters and terrible deadlifters. And there's really no like consensus body type or fitness level that determines who's bad or good. I know guys that are way not in the fit category as far as competition that have elite deadlifts. Like they don't look fit. They're never in the top 1,000 of anything and can pull with the top 100 of them. And then I know people who are in the top 100 that have bad deadlifts. And it's really, it's a very volatile movement where I think if you're going to put a max, like put something that's more even keel with the consensus of the group that you're using. That's really where I was standing at with the deadlift one. But then you looked at the last event that had everything underneath the sun. It was like cleans, ascending, in weight. So you're testing strength and you're testing endurance. Legless rope climbs, which requires strength and endurance with gymnastics. And was it double unders. I think it was double unders. Yeah. Double unders. That is a low skill monostructural movement. So you hit all three facets, monostructural weightlifting and gymnastics. The gymnastics skill is elite level and it's high volume. So you have to be good. You cannot fake a legless Mm -hmm. rope climb. The clean weights increased in weight. So you are testing strength. But you have to earn the right with fitness to get to the last bar. And you can't fake that, but you also have to have good endurance because you could be the strongest person in the world. And if you don't have the fitness to back it up, you won't make it. And then the monostructural skill is a really easy way to test endurance, but also throw a skill in there as a double under. So I thought it was the perfect test. And on the broadcast, we said the person who wins these may be the one on the top of the leaderboard at the end of the weekend and we were right for three of four of them so yeah yeah man that's that's what i (laughs) that's where we went with it yeah
0: so i know we're almost out of time and there's two things i want to touch on real quick and that is
1: hey your time is your time i'm in no hurry so you you don't have to rush through anything all
0: right i may slow down just a little bit because this these last two are are, are more important and all right um, then
1: let's let's take our time if you got the time i got the time all
0: right so you had the opportunity to get the interview of the year.
1: Yes, I did.
0: Um, you got the first interview of Ricky Garrard after his suspension uh, mm-hmm. for the use of PEDs. Um, I, I loved what you did on that interview. I got to say, Thank I, you. Think, I thought you pushed where you needed to push. I thought you were caring and, and understanding where I thought you needed to be looking back, do you have any, anything that you would change in that interview? Cause I know as a podcaster, there are several, every, every interview we do, I'm like, shoot, I should have done this.
1: There, there wasn't any specific question that was relative to the conversation that I felt like I didn't ask. And there wasn't a area that was again, relevant to Ricky's story that I felt like I didn't, Press or, or get something out of. So there, there's nothing I really regret or wish I would have done. Um, the one thing I hear about the most is pressing more on his brother testing positive at uh, sanctionals. <clears throat> I, I'd asked him about it. He kind of dodged it a bit and chalked it up to he just got um, he got busted and they don't know how, um, but they didn't like press it beyond that. And so I, I in my question, I asked it a little bit. I was like, well, if if he didn't do it, why didn't you fight it? And he's like, because we felt like everybody was just kind of have to get us to begin with. And we just were, he he was done with it and he just wanted to move on. Um, I didn't press too much of the brother stuff with him because one, it's not some of it. That's, it is relevant to Ricky because obviously if like, if your brother tests positive for the same thing, you got bandwidth from the same supplement company. That is a big red flag. Excuse me. And I don't know. Honestly, there's nothing. I think I should have pressed more. That's the only feedback I've, I've heard people talk about. But in my opinion, I think if I would have pushed Ricky on his brother too much, it, it, he would have closed off a bit. I would too. I mean, if you're, if you're, like, it's not about my brother. Like, my brother's not on trial. My brother's not for this interview. This interview is about me. My brother is a part of that storyline, right? Him being aware of what he was doing. I think mean, maybe that's the only one. Cleaning up the storyline of did your brother know exactly what was happening and when? Because I got some of that, but I don't think I, I presented a clean answer to that. But other than that, no, there's things other people wanted, but I spent a long time preparing for that. I had four pages of notes. You know, there's a lot of one to three word answers to a lot of questions and. I wanted to make sure really I, my main focus was Ricky. It wasn't CrossFit. It wasn't the games. It wasn't the community. It, like I was doing this honestly for Ricky It's like, let me do you a favor. I'm going to ask you some really hard questions you don't want to answer, but if you do, it's going to be great for you moving forward because then people will have nothing else to talk about other than they believe you are done. Right. So So that
0: was the next question I have for you Mm. after talking to Ricky. Yes. Do you you believe him?
1: I do. And maybe that's my, me being naive. I am pretty, I would say I'm not naive. Like that means I don't know what I'm doing. I'm very empathetic to people. Um, I'm a very passionate person. I'm a very emotional person. I I'm, It's pretty apparent when I get going, whether it's uh, excitement or upset or frustration like that, nothing filters that out. I mean, listen to a podcast where I get frustrated about something that happens in programming. And I do. And the reason why I do is because I hope and I really want him to be telling the truth. And so if I sit back here with some pessimistic mentality, thinking the worst of someone, when I've already seen the worst of him, and I've seen the worst of people towards him, I would really like to be a lot more positivity in the space. And so I think a great story, and not just for like a media sake, but like just a a life lesson, a life journey for a lot of people, is you made a mistake. You made a mistake that no one, barely anyone, has had to live through and be showcased to the world. I mean, you had a two-hour documentary of 12 strangers shitting on you. Now, you deserved it. You cheated on purpose, lied about it, whether you were ignorantly lying about it is one other thing, but you also just made a mistake like you were dumb. You're just being dumb and you're 22. And so, yeah, I would hope I'm lucky enough to not have my worst moment of my life documented. I'll say that. Right. And I think everyone can say that to a certain level. Right. And so the human in me is empathetic to his situation and without getting too far into the weeds of things, it's like, You know, I believe in forgiveness and redemption and everybody has an opportunity to be the best versions of themselves, even if they've made a mistake. And I hope he gets that opportunity. And I hope that he takes that opportunity and does something with it. So that's where I do believe him. I'm giving him a clear path to either prove me right or break my heart, but I'm going to give you that full path. And if I don't give that to you, how do you expect him to take a step forward if you put in all these roadblocks in front of him, because that's that's just going to make it harder for him. So, yes. Long story, sorry, long answer to a short question. I no, do I believe think that's
0: him. good. I, I think that it's not a simple yes or no answer, right? Yeah. You you have to take all that in. And you know, I was with him the whole way through. When you asked him about the supplements and what does he take now? And he says, I take absolutely nothing. Yeah. That took me that took me back. And then I had to like reassess and kind of come back in with them. And at the end I was like, you know what? He's been burned by them and mm-hmm. maybe he, he isn't taking anything anymore.
1: Yeah. I mean, why um, would you lie about that? Right. Cause that's a pretty easy one to figure out. Yeah. And, and that's, that's how extreme it is. And if it is that extreme, I think that's even cooler. Yeah. And I, I get it. And that kind of parallels to his brother's thing is like, Okay, if his brother really didn't do anything, then I 100% think that his supplements were tainted because that company made all the supplements in one spot. And so, if you know about supplement um, taint, yeah. how that all happens, like that is 100% how it happens because that's just, it happened to Richard Balkan. I think, you know, Lori Kuna has been talking about that it happened the same way. And then that's the risk you take with these companies. Now, it's your fault that you took that risk, but, um, you know, if, if that happened and then you're like, fine, I'm done with supplements, then how cool would that be? That'd be even cooler. It's like, not right. only you good, right. You're, you're making amends. You're kidding yourself back out there and you're doing it with just like the most CrossFit way possible, right? Meats, vegetables, nuts, and seeds, some fruit, little starch, no sugar, and a little bit of beet juice. And a little bit of beet, yeah, beetroot juice that we try to decipher. And you do that because we always say, maybe this is like the perfect circle to the end on level one is like supplements are named that because you have a deficiency in your diet and you need supplementation. But in reality, if you eat the right way in the right quantities, you don't need to supplement a fully balanced diet with things to add in. And if he is doing that with just food and is now competing at the elite level, how great does that make CrossFit, the training methodology and the way we approach nutrition for everyone? Ricky Garrard, if this all is true and it all works out the way it does and he's doing it this way, could end up being like the greatest spokesman for CrossFit and its training methodology that we've ever had because he became an elite level CrossFitter. He did it the wrong way that we tell everybody that's not how you did it. There are no shortcuts in CrossFit, zero. And you did it with CrossFit's baseline training methodology that we give in the level one lecture at your level one seminar to a very first time CrossFitter. How cool would that story arc be?
0: So this is a perfect segue. We had Dave Castro on a couple of months ago
1: my oh, that's awesome!
0: My co-host asked him this question: Can Ricky Gerard be like a spokesperson for CrossFit? And Dave's answer was, "Yeah, I could, I believe he can be anything he wants to be at this point. Mm. But it's okay if he doesn't want to be, and if he wants to be the villain, I think that's good for CrossFit too.
1: Yeah, I can and see. So Dave I wanted to get that.
0: your thoughts about that because I think I think the sport grows if you have a villain. You know, I know you're a Cowboys yeah. fan. I am not. Yeah. <laughs> I hate the Cowboys, right?
1: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And,
0: and so I root against them. And that makes me watching football more enjoyable.
1: Mm-hmm. It, it doubles the entertainment. Because now instead of having you either love this person or you don't care. So that's half of your audience is gone. But say like, you know, you look at the Cowboys and like you either love them or you hate them. And that is double the audience that is paying attention to the sport or to the games. That's why they get the highest ratings, even if they suck, because twice as many people want to either watch them succeed or they want to watch them fail. And they want to watch every second of their failure, which I've been watching for like 30 years now, (laughs) except this year. Um, But I'm very quiet. I'm just, I'm just, I'm waiting. I've been burned too long, but I think Ricky is the same way. Um, does It need a villain? Uh, need? I would say no. Um, would it be interesting and exciting? Uh, yes, absolutely. Right? Because I'm the same way. Because I watch sports as a sports fan, and I love to root for the teams that I like, but I love to root against the people or the teams that I don't like probably more. Like there's nothing more enjoyable to watch the Giants, Eagles, and Washington football team lose every week. And I hope they lose every game. And then the only time I'm upset is when they play each other because somebody has to win. Right. And I enjoy that. So I think Dave put it a great way. Ricky can be whatever he wants to be. And I think he should give, be given every opportunity to be whatever that is. I think he'll be great for the sport, even if he comes in and is just like quiet and doesn't egg on anybody like he's going to have a whole probably maybe more fan base that will watch to actively root against him for his entire career. That's just going to be there. And yeah, I do think from an entertainment standpoint, it will make the games even more fun to watch. To have him there, in any capacity, whether you want to see the redemption arc um, completed or you want to see him crash and burn, either way, I think no no one will be more entertaining to watch than Ricky Garard next year.
0: So that's a good segue to the Rogue Invitational, which I want to finish up with. Okay, we have young athletes coming up in the sport that do things a little bit differently than the way crossfit has been done take gi himeros or jason hopper when they win an event they let you know yeah that they have won that event right take the um the bracket workout event 7 every time Guy finished he ran through the finish line right to the dugout didn't even stay on the floor right i love it or you know after the the barbell complex
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, and the dabs and the, you know.
0: And there are going to be a segment of the, of the crowd that love that. Yeah. And there are going to be a segment that think that's cocky and they hate it. Yeah. So I think we're moving into that where we may be starting to root against some of the athletes. And so I'm going to ask you again, do you think that's good for the sport?
1: I think it's great for the sport. I, I think athletes with personality athletes with attitude athletes that aren't just robots are going to draw emotion out of the crowd out of the viewer out of the fans and that's what you want because if i just watch a bunch of people doing burpees and box jumps and rowing and then they finish and then they like like just autonomously walk off the field on an assembly line there's no emotion in that I can't connect with that because guess what? When I crush a workout, I kind of want to flex on my competitors too. I don't do it, right? Because I've been that lone guy sitting on a box by myself with none of the dudes cheering for me, which is a crappy position to be in too. But I I like it, and I I liken that question to what we're seeing in baseball now, right? Because five years ago, for the last how long has been baseball around? Almost two hundred years.
0: Uh, Well over a hundred for sure.
1: You did not pimp home runs, which just means watch the ball go out. Like, Hey, it's going out. Take your lap, get back in the dugout, shut your mouth. And now we have like, and then the bat flip started to happen or pitchers yelling it. And guess what? I love it. Yeah. Because it brings emotion into a sport that I feel like there needs to be emotion in this isn't the gym this is sports and I think sports needs to have fanatics which is what short is you know that's what fan is based off of it needs to have diehards it needs to have blowhards it needs to have irrational people it needs to have uneducated loudmouth people it needs to have pros it needs to have old school this is the way it used to be people and it needs to have every spectrum of emotion out there. Yeah. If you want to be like Haley Adams and just like crush a workout and then wave to your fans and then go back in the dugout. Great. If you want to be Gima Harris and just like smoke everyone, guess what? You can do whatever you want. Cause you earned it, bro. Yeah. You didn't even take a third lift at the rogue invitational because you were that much better than everybody. So if you want to sit there and dab in everyone's face, great, because that's just going to make either half the people love it or half the people hate it and then people are going to get more animated as those things go on and so yeah i think all of it's great for the sport now there's probably a negative way to do that i haven't seen it yet
0: yeah i think i think what was cool is with the mix of strongman and crossfit this weekend the strongman when they win they let you know that they have yeah won, right and so it's all it might have been a little bit contagious even Uh, this weekend. And the crowd was so awesome Yes, um, at that baseball stadium. So I wanted to get your general thoughts. And then I wanted to tell you that I know Bill asked how steep that hill was. Mm -hmm. I want to tell you when we took the volunteer picture (laughs) and we were trying to sit on the hill, we were sliding. Like we had to fight not to slide just sitting on the hill.
1: It was so steep. So steep. That hill was great. Um, I loved the the combo of the two. I thought it was super cool. I thought it was really important for two different sports in two different universes to finally let their guards down. Because, look, let's be honest: Crossfitters are a very snobby fitness community because they're very defensive of their fitness community. I don't see that as a negative. I like a more open mind, strong men, same way, like these puny guys and girls running around with their weird pull-ups and their fast, ugly movement. And this weekend I saw a good blend of the two finally just kind of see each other and what they're doing behind the scenes. And have a really healthy respect for what they did. I heard, you know, not, and obviously not everybody feels the same way, but, you know, crossers watching Strongman, you're like, dang, like you walked a 1,200 pound yoke 30 feet, and then you ran to this log and roll pressed it over your head with 365 pounds three times as fast as you could. Like, I can feel that. The, the stone finale. So good. So cool, right? And it was an amazing race. And I'm I want, like if I'm a strong man and I just lift a thousand pounds and sh- like Mono Imano mano show these other s- nine strongest men in the world that I'm better than them, you're gosh darn right. I'm gonna sit there and just like put one fist in the air and yell, I am all that is man, because that's what you should do. You earn that, right? right. And we got that. And on the flip side, um, the two strongmen we were working with on the broadcast, they started having buddies in strongman text them like, hey, this CrossFit stuff is actually pretty cool. And so when you get to see it, when you allow yourself an opportunity to let your guard down, you're like, oh, these big strong ogres and they're super unhealthy and they're all probably juiced up and doing this other stuff. And this is like, like, no, you get to watch it. And you're like, they're just different. And it's a different sport. And the thing that I love that Rogue is doing is, and hopefully they expand on this, like, I, I hope the invitational gets bigger with all the things they support. Um, CrossFit, strongman, um, powerlifting. powerlifting, and weightlifting. And I, I think one day, that's really what it's going to be. It's, it's going to be really like a, a rogue invitational iron festival. And you're going to have everything in the fitness iron world there. And we can all kind of sit back and respect each other's eliteness in a positive way, not elitistness, eliteness in the the area of which they've dedicated their life to. Like you, you can't sit back and just appreciate the best to ever do it, no matter what area it's in. And yeah, I think it's, I, it's nice to have that in one spot.
0: Yeah, I was in the third base dugout for most of the weekend. Oh, so that was got a place to, to be. Those, those guys, like up close and personal, they are just massive humans. Mm-hmm. Um, and to that, like that stone over the log, one of the most fun events I've ever watched in any sport. Yes. Um, and then the wheel of pain was I amazing. Mean, I was right there. Cause I got to be a PA and it just was so cool to watch that big, the, that I watched in Conan when I was 12. Years right. 10,
1: right? <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: You know, I hope- and I got to see these guys do that. It was just, it was so much fun.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I had a blast and my thoughts are, I, I hope it expands. I hope it keeps growing. Um, I love the baseball stadium. I got Man, questions cool. on my, on my Instagram, like, could you see? It looks like you were far away. The sight lines were really good. Yes, and they did a great job of like configuring the field. So as long as you were like within first base to third base, you got a really good view. Yeah, um, of the of the field play.
1: It was it was way more intimate than I thought it would be. Based off you know because when they first showed the picture like an overview of the stadium, I was like, oh, this seems like everyone's going to be a little far away. And it's, you're not going to get as much like crowd infusion. And then when you showed up, like, no, it's actually a very intimate outdoor setting. And there are no bad seats in that. Even if you're in the outfield, like upper rows, the view you got of the entire run that was the floor, like was great. Yeah. And I hope in a year when everything gets even more normalized with the world itself, You know, that's a sold out stadium. And then it's going to be 10 times louder. The athletes are going to be 10 times more jacked up and ready to go. And maybe we'll see 10 times the celebrations the non-celebrations and the fans of that and the not fans of that. And then, I mean, just, just think of the, everything needs to be diverse. And that goes with emotions and abilities and all that other stuff, because then that's how like. It's like, okay, well, they just booed my favorite athlete. So next time he's on, I'm going to cheer even louder. Or they're like, no, I'm going to boo even harder. And like, so it's, it's one of those things where there's, there's really not nothing bad to come of, of any of this. I feel like the more we get, the better it's going to get.
0: And what I, the one other thing I thought was cool is with the strongmen they brought the soccer chance. Mm-hmm. Like they have, they have specific chance for different strongmen.
1: Yes. It and is they got, insane. Like, and they have nicknames and and yeah. honestly for me i think like all the strong men had a, had a nickname right like martin Leitz was like the dragon or something like that yeah. which is great and, and and yeah he had his own chant which we won't say on the yeah, yeah, on yeah. the on the podcast Brian Shaw but, was
0: gigantor
1: gigantor right and like the stone man my favorite one was um the world's strongest gay like i didn't yeah. I didn't hear that right the first time. And I was like, did I hear that right? And then you look at him like, that's his Instagram handle. It's like, that's even cooler. Like you yeah, this guy out here in like a mohawk and just bright colored tights, just one of the strongest men in the world. Like, and that's what I mean. It's like all these characters right. that are, they, when now you see them in real life and you stand next to them in person. And then you get to know them a little bit. It's like, yeah, they're characters, but they're also like really cool people. And I respect all the hard work you did to get here. And they can do that. Now they can do the same thing for CrossFitters because they finally got to see them in person and meet them and watch them in the background and watch them compete. Because if you watch someone do CrossFit or even Strongman on a TV, it you don't get any context of really what's happening, what they're going through to do, what they're doing. And so that that breeds some respect. Was like, I never want to be a strong man. I couldn't I be able to even if I tried. Right. And they don't want her to be a CrossFitter, but they really they still have a healthy respect of that. And I think that goes for everybody. So I, I hope we get, I mean, how cool to be. I mean, nobody really else had a nickname in CrossFit except me. <laughs> There's no, right? There's not True. many. I can't, I'm not saying the only one, but I was, you know, I'm one of the first ones. I mean, OPT was probably the first one um but uh yeah, yeah. but i want to see more of that i want i want too. i want people to create characters i mean why not mix a little like wwe fanfare in there but make it real unless you're i you know, don't even piss off anybody but like i'll say make it unscripted it's all real
0: well i um, heard pat Vellner say they, he loved hanging out in the dugout and having being announced. He just wishes they could pick their own walk-up music. And that's where I was going to go with It's
1: Like these strong men have nicknames, but they don't have walk-up music. I mean, it took five minutes per person. Give the guy a like pick up, pick your song. Yeah. And how cool would that be? Is like, you're just sitting there. And that's where the WWE thing kind of comes in my head. It's like, when you hear the glass break, and right. the guitars hit, you know, who who's is that is that Stone Cold? Stone Cold. Yeah. And you're like, oh snap, Stone Cold is here, or here he comes, or like, if you smell like who, like, yeah. who doesn't want that to happen? Is like, yeah, we can still make this like a show. And how cool would that be? I agree. So I, I think, I think uh, all it's those all things positive.
0: Make, all those things will help grow the sport, grow the streams, yeah. grow all of that stuff. Um, so this is where I'm going to end it. I know I've had you a little bit long. Um, I'll do one little bonus piece for the, the listeners who've stayed this long, <laughs> the way I hurt my shoulder swimming.
1: Oh yes. Let's hear that.
0: So did you do stretch cords? Yes. Right. So yes. before there were bands, they used to take surgical tubing mm-hmm. and they would tape it together with a loop and we would wrap it around the starting block and we would do stretch cords. Yeah. Well, I was always like trying to show off. And so I'd try to stretch it as far as I could as I was doing it, you know, <laughs> trying to be the strong guy. And I, I came up on the on the stretch cord and lost my balance on the wet pool deck. Oh no. Went flying in the air, did like a backspin breakdance all the way to the starting block and then sh- jammed my shoulder right into the, oh, no. the starting block. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, swimmers on land. What yeah. are you going to do?
0: And so at the, uh, at the banquet at the end of the year, they gave me a football helmet.
1: <laughs> swimming uh, bacon was always a good time. I always yeah. liked that. That was fun. Yeah. So that was my, my
0: shoulder injury in swimming, not
1: anything in the pool. Nope. No, nope. never was pool related. Any injury I ever had was either on a track or a basketball court.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Clydesdale fitness and friends in partnership with the morning chalk up please consider giving us a five-star rating and leaving us a review. It really helps our podcast. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next week on the Clydesdale fitness and friends.